Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, CityCast lead producer Molly Stentz and I are here to wrangle the news, including... Some good news for Madison teachers. Trouble with the city's Housing First projects. And the Dane County Courthouse's spider poo problem. We're a podcast with a view, so let's get into it. It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. It's the Great Friday Roundup, where seldom is blurred, no knowledge deferred, and cars park in ramps every day. Joining us on the Roundup today, it's the sheriff of this here podcast, it's Molly Stentz. Hi, Molly. Man, do I have to sing? I don't even know how to follow that up. Hey. No, that's okay. I just wanted to slip a ramp reference in real quick. I knew you did. (laughs) Bianca Martin has the day off, but she'll be back on the ranch next week, so... Everybody can look forward to that. And in the meantime, let's let's get into it, Molly. Um, this week, Madison Teachers got some pretty good news that I think it's fair to say is a little unexpected. So after initially offering a 3.5% wage hike, the Madison School District now says it will give teachers the highest pay increase allowed by state law. That's 8%. And that is what the, the union, MTI, Madison Teachers Incorporated, was hoping for. So they might actually come back next year. They might, right? And now compare this to prior years and teachers had some issues with the the cost of living wages that they were getting and mostly because they weren't getting them. Last year, a lot of districts around in our area, most of them got a cost of living increase of about 4%, which was the max then. And Madison teachers did not. Not that long ago, maybe a week or two ago, district spokesperson Tim Lamones I mean, he said, hey, we'd like to do it, but the district can't afford it. Here's his quote. After years of chronic regressive state funding for public education, we, along with many other districts across Wisconsin, now face the most challenging budgetary cycle in the history of our state. What? We can get into it, but I think both might be true. But uh, the district has certainly made this increase in pay for for teachers just across the board a priority. Uh, It has to dip into its reserves to do it. But something that a lot of people were saying was pretty much off the table uh, looks like it's happening now. And the and this all happened after a closed session of the school board. And it looks like school board members uh, had some influence over this. So good news for teachers. But wait, what about the state budget? Do they know how much money they're going to get yet? I mean, isn't that a factor here? It's a huge factor. And they don't know. And this is a problem every two years, right, where the... The budget negotiations at the state level, they're not there yet. And the district has to essentially pass a budget without knowing the final number of what they're getting in school aid from the state. And 
a lot of this might be contingent on that, but there is some promising signs that maybe they're not going to get an increase like Governor Evers proposed in his budget, but there'll be some sort of increase for the Madison School District and other school districts. I mean, you couldn't have a better advocate for schools in a governor. Yes. I mean, the former head of DPI running the state and has generally wanted to give public schools more money, right? It's it's whether the legislature goes along with it and by how much? The legislature has not given the amount of money that Evers has proposed in the past. But there was all this federal pandemic money, right, that the Republican lawmakers were like, hey, you're getting all this federal money. And that definitely helped. But that's coming to an end. And the long term issue with just the crazy way we fund school districts in the state that it punishes Madison. Why? Well, Madison is punished because of the district's higher than average property values. Because the state aides are trying to augment the local. They're trying to equalize it because we fund based on property taxes. And we know that property values are unequal and uneven across the state, the state tries to step in and add supports. A lot of this gets back to just inequality in Madison and how that plays out. We have really high property values, but we have a we have a poverty rate that other districts don't have to contend with. I haven't met anyone who says the how Wisconsin funds its schools makes any sense in any capacity. But basically here in Madison, uh, the school district is so much more dependent on local property taxes with divided government at the state level, it doesn't look like we're ever going to really get a good solution, at least in the next few years, uh, how to make this more equitable. And and another thing that's hurting the Madison School District and maybe factors into this raise that teachers are getting is that um, Madison is increasingly paying higher payments to other districts for educating Madison kids. Because of school choice? Because of school choice. Because parents are saying, hey, uh, I want my kid to go to Verona. So they apply. And if Verona wants them, then Madison has to pay Verona. So that rose to $11 million this year that this Madison School District paid to other districts. That is a 60% increase from last year and is projected to rise again next year. So this declining enrollment is also a big problem in Madison. And kind of was the excuse in some ways for why the district initially didn't want to give teachers the highest raise they could. So what changed their mind? We don't really know. We should uh, get a school board member on the pod to explain it to us because something definitely changed. I think district administrators were maybe being overly conservative about what the state's going to give this year and also what they the reserve that they had built up and not wanting to dip into that because, you know, there could be a, a budget deficit next year if the state doesn't come through with more aid for Madison. But they could also continue to hemorrhage teachers and not have enough staff. That's what it comes down to. So how do you fight um, kids going to other districts? Well, it certainly doesn't help if you have teachers fleeing too. I mean, these are really complicated problems that can create a really vicious cycle. So I think this is a really big win for the Mass Teachers Union and just kind of maybe a shift in attitude that we're seeing in the district at a very precarious time where they're looking for a new superintendent. They've had these huge staffing shortages. There've been a lot of bad press. So maybe that had something to do with it. All the terrible press. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. From yours truly. (laughs) Yeah, from us and everyone else. (laughs) So 
are we going to be looking at a referendum? I mean... Oh, I heard that's coming too. And then uh, a referendum next year having to do with operating budget. Because that's the only way you can go over the levy cap. So we don't have to get into it. Well, <laughs> people will get into it on their tax bill, right? I mean... Madison has not had to do that so far, but they probably will in the future. Because we, the big looming problem that's been a problem for 30, 40 years is how we fund schools in this state, and it's still not solved, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a solution anytime soon. Happy days. Well, we should get into some other news, um, but before I do that, let's just take a little break here and hear what Bianca has planned for the weekend. I want to get into Madison's housing shortage. The rising costs of rent and housing has been a big deal for us. It's driving a lot of other issues around the city, not to mention homelessness. Years and years and years of trying to figure out what to do. The city has come around to this housing first approach. Basically, housing first says get people into a home first, foremost, period, and then deal with their other needs, then deliver social services from kind of a safe and supportive place, but basically give them a home base, give them somewhere to live, an address, and then deal with whether it's mental health issues, whether it's substance abuse issues, whether it's, you know, employment, help or job training, anything else that people need uh, uh, help with, need a leg up on. Yeah. So they tried it. And they built these two big apartment buildings. We all threw in tax money. There were WIDA tax credits. The city put in some money and found this uh, Chicago-based housing developer to build these two big apartment buildings that would basically be that, would be apartments for formerly homeless people, for veterans, for families, for people that that needed a place to go. Not just develop them, but then run, kind of run it and have some services too, right? Like it's an ongoing thing that these developers are a part of. It's a nonprofit. Yeah, so they they chose Heartland Housing. It's a, a, a division of Heartland Alliance. They basically develop nonprofit low-income housing uh, here in Madison, in Milwaukee, and in Chicago. And they've got this high-minded mission. We help create life-changing opportunities for our residents. We create housing where the most vulnerable can live with dignity. Sounds good. The only problem is the future is in jeopardy. It's kind of a dumpster fire. The city has been after them, uh, declared them chronic nuisances, and was threatening legal action. And the two that we're talking about, one of them's on the east side, one of them's on the far west side. The one on the east side is called Rethke Terrace. It's like right off East Wash. You've probably driven by it a million times. You know, just past Aberg on the right-hand side if you're going to East Town. Yeah, by the Aloha Inn. Yeah, cheapest motel in the city, at least I think it still is. Yeah, it's in this kind of weird little pocket, you know, kind of the corner of two big highways in Madison and not very neighborhoody vibe. That and then the property at Tree Lane, which is on the far, far west side. It's where Mineral Point meets the Beltline, kind of by the big target. So those two apartment buildings have been around for a few years now. And basically, the city has just said they're a mess. There's been thousands of of police calls there and not always for residents right it could just be 
that there are people selling drugs around the property. There's been stabbings. There's been shootings. Um, the city has basically said the apartment building isn't providing enough security. They're not managing it well enough. They kind of started to come after them. And plot twist, the apartment manager, Heartland Alliance, just told the city, well, we're out. We're done. We can no longer afford to run and maintain these things. Now they're just out. They're done. And so what happens next? That's the several million dollar question, right? Because Heartland says, hey, we, we just can't afford to keep this up. We can't afford to run it. Um, you know, you're threatening us with legal action. So they looked for a buyer. They tried to offload him. Couldn't find one. Right, row. Also, there's been reports of problems in their properties in Milwaukee and Chicago, apparently. So there was a big story by Dean Mossman in the Wisconsin State Journal. Definitely check it out. It's it's a deep dive into a really important issue. But yeah, the city is going to have to figure out what to do. I mean, is the housing authority going to take it on? Is the city going to try to take this on? Are they going to try to broker a deal? I mean, what do you do with a housing development that fails? Well, maybe in that housing first attitude, um, you know, when there, I think there's maybe needs to be a little bit of buy-in from the people living at these uh, apartments. What do you mean? Have you heard of Occupy Madison? Yeah. So those are like teeny home villages that I think there are two of them now. Um, and there's also one kind of on Dairy Drive. Um, and I know when things are going right there, it's because the people living there are feel very responsible for taking care of each other and taking care of the property. And, you know, that can be a struggle because there's interpersonal conflicts and they got to sort that all out. But um, I mean, I don't have all the solutions here, but you can't just give up on these things. Well, no, people still need housing. So now what? That's the big question. Now what? And we don't have a great answer. No. Sorry. Were you hoping for one? There you go, uh, Mayor Rhodes-Conway. <laughs> uh, add that to the list. Maybe move it up a few pegs. Um, that's too bad. Uh, that... I think she's well aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, the same thing did happen to Occupy on Johnson Street when they bought that old car dealership, the car uh, repair shop. They went before the city to try to get that approved. And I just was at that meeting and remember North District Captain coming up and saying like, woof, there've been a lot of calls to service. I don't know. I don't know if we should do this. I don't know if we should approve it. There's been a lot of police activity around in the neighborhood. There's already a lot of social services in the neighborhood. Could be dicey, could be risky to put it here. But yet that that has been has been successful. Not without issues, but I think it's capitalism. Maybe somebody should solve that quick. That's a good call. Speaking of a long-standing problem of way less way less um, seriousness, but was was a problem. Have you ever been to the Dane County Courthouse, Molly? Yes. I won't tell you why. Ooh, good. <laughs> um, but they do have a beautiful, uh, it's five-story long concave window that looks out into Lake Monona, and it's this picturesque view. It, it's the center of the courthouse. It's really nice. But what has been, the? it's been a huge problem that this big window overlooking the lake and the, the skyline is can't be cleaned because of how the building was built. Wait, what? I thought you were going to say Pisons, that big building. 
and I'm like, that's not a problem anymore. No, our, our relatively new courthouse with this big window, five-story window, at the highlight of the building. When they built it, they had no easy way to clean it. And so over it's only been cleaned twice in how 17 years. How do we not know how to clean windows on buildings? It's so dirty. And I mean, there was such a good quote here that um, Ed Trelevin put in. Um, Since 2006, when the courthouse opened, the, the window have only been cleaned twice. The last time seven years ago, because the building has a, has lacked a reliable way to get window cleaners up there to clear away the years of dust, grime, and frankly, spider poop. I just don't under, like there's no scaffolding. I don't understand the problem. How they've done it in the past is they like put up a boom crane and they have to like shut down the street for a weekend and it cost a fortune. It's so hard to get up there. There's just no easy way to clean it. Well, evidently over the last year, they have finally come up with a solution. They had to drill anchors and holes into the roof so they can actually have a scaffolding and now they get to clean it every year. So we got that one off the list of problems in town. (laughs) Courthouses. Chronically dirty windows. Sounds like we need Spider-Man. If you ever were looking at it, you could see why it was difficult to clean. There's just no place to hoist yourself up or anything. So it was just a badly, poorly designed building. In this one sense, yes. Who's the architect? No accountability. Anyhow, after $400,000, they figured it out. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, Molly, it's been fun, uh... Catching up on some local dirt with you. Always here to talk dirt with you, Dylan. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Molly Stentz and me, Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. We don't mean to be a pain in the glass... But if you enjoyed the show, why not tell a window washer about us? We hear they really clean up. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, Madison! I've been told that my Don Pardo does sound like Mr. Ed.